Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Ben here. Today, I'm joined by Ruben Schwartz. Ruben is the founder of Mimaran. It's a CRM for people who love serving clients, but they hate selling. So that sounds like most of us. He created the CRM to make it easier for service-oriented firms to sell without having to be all salesy. Even more interesting is that he started the Sales for Nerds podcast so that other people could learn the easy way instead of the way he learned. Ruben is the host and chief nerd on the Sales for Nerds podcast, and that's actually how I found him. So I highly recommend you check it out because it's some fabulous guests. And there is a very quirky twist, which I can uh, let Ruben discuss. But Ruben, hello, and thanks for joining me today. Great to be here, Ben. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Ruben, let's dive right on in, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, because you've got a fabulous history and some stories there. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are with Mimoran? Well, I'll try not to bore people because it certainly was never something that I intended. It's a long and winding road, but I was a technical guy, computer science guy, and uh, I realized eventually that the interesting problems are actually working with people, that as much as we like to think that technology is really complicated, and sometimes it is, uh, the people is really where the hard stuff happens. And so I started a consulting firm and I worked with these Fortune 500 companies on sales and marketing problems. And the funny thing was I was really, really bad at my own sales and marketing despite reading lots of books and trying lots of things. All of my business ended up being word of mouth anyway. Right. So it was like I had the worst of both worlds. I was stuck with word of mouth and I had also spent a bunch of time and money and energy and stress on trying to do sales and marketing. So eventually I had twins and realized I didn't want to be on the road all the time. And I wanted to create something for people like me once I realized I wasn't the only one who was like this. Uh, I thought, gosh, there's got to be a way for these smaller companies to sell more effectively uh, and not just have tools like the, some of the stuff we built for our clients, these giant Fortune 500 firms. Right. Sounds like trial by fire then. Absolutely. So what does Miraman do and who does it help? I originally started Memorand just to uh, automate proposals because I would send a proposal out and then we'd have a time to discuss the proposal scheduled and then that would get rescheduled and then I'd be leaving those voicemails like, hey, just wonder if you had any questions about my proposal and wondering if I should call again or if it was going to help me or hurt me if I left another voicemail and so on. And it used to drive me nuts because I needed to know, is this thing going to close? Do we need to have people ready? Or should I try to keep them on the last project? And this like one little thing kind of spiraled out of control and and led me to so much stress. And I thought, gosh, you know, if I put my proposals online, I could at least know if and when people were reading them. And then I could also do a bunch of cool automation stuff and get e-signatures and things like that. And so I started out just doing it for fun, just for, for my own business. And then I realized this would be something that would be useful to other people. And sure enough, it was, uh, you know, people like having templates and things that automatically put in the product and pricing data and things like that and being able to offer multiple options and knowing when people read it, of course. And people started saying, this is great. Proposals are now not the bottleneck of my business. What can you do for me for lead generation? And at this point, I had no intention of going beyond proposal automation, certainly no intention of creating a CRM. And I thought I would just find an appropriate WordPress plugin for them. 
And I realized that the stuff that's out there is really designed for different people. It's designed for folks who have an automatable e-commerce business or it's designed for firms with a big sales force where you can just have people calling all day. Yeah. It wasn't designed for these small or even solo firms where people are spending most of their time with clients and that's really what they want to be doing. So I wanted a way to uh, stick a button on a website to request a lead magnet instead of showing a form. And I wanted to be able to have dynamic content like ROI calculators in there. And of course, I wanted to have that same notification that I had with the proposals for the lead magnet. So if somebody comes back and reads your lead magnet, magnet again the following week or the next month, you have another chance to call them and have a conversation. And so I didn't want to just have a, a PDF that you sent to somebody as a one-off. And I realized, well, I've got the, the power to uh, create and share and notify this content online. What if I, instead of just doing it for proposals, we could also do it for lead magnets? So this was kind of cool. Now you can get more people in the front of the funnel. And then something else that my customers started complaining about was, well, what about all the people who aren't ready to buy? Uh, and sort of a common complaint that, that these people were raising I was kind of feeling the same way myself. It's like we're on this social media kind of uh, uh, diet of socializing in some way where we're exchanging quality for quantity yeah. and it doesn't feel very nourishing. So I started what I call the reconnection challenge, just reaching out to people I haven't talked to in a long time and just talking to them. It's like they're not a prospect, they're not a client, but they're just somebody that I want to have in my life. Um, and I was trying to automate that because I don't have a lot of spare time, right? And I was doing this in conjunction with a CRM that I had integrated with Mimarin, and I just couldn't make it work the way I wanted to. And finally, I was like, okay, fine. I, I, I'm just going to call this thing a CRM. I'm going to make it easy to automate this as well. And so that's kind of the long-winded story of how we got to something that actually helps you get more leads, talk to them, uh, turn them into clients, and then also stay in touch with all the people that matter to you. That's interesting. If you had not called it a CRM, you had to choose that so that it fit into a bucket, right? Right. So what's a, a sentence long summary of what it is then? Does that link back to that reconnection challenge that you mentioned? Well, I think it is a CRM that does things for you. Part of my frustration with, with traditional CRMs, like, and I'm going to pick on Salesforce here, um, which is an amazing tool if you can set it up right and yeah. use it in the right circumstance. But you know, as someone who's used it multiple times, who's worked and integrated with it and so on, it's, it's like flying a freaking 747. <laughs> and, and it still didn't automate as much stuff as I wanted to do, right? Like you got to plug in something else for e-signature and something else for proposals and calling people through Salesforce is a whole other mess and searching your notes is a mess and so on. So I wanted a CRM that really worked for me because I want to spend most of my time with my clients and my clients want to spend most of their time with their clients. And so I want something that actually helps me get leads while I'm doing that work. Something that makes it easy for me to have meaningful conversations with people in a short amount of time, right? I'm not talking about calling for eight hours a day, but if you've got half an hour, can you have a couple of meaningful conversations with people? Yeah, that sounds very refreshing. Salesforce is great, but you know that when you have to go through an RFP process just to hire a large consultancy firm to implement software, you know that it's pretty big and powerful, but also a little bit nasty. So it's nice how simplified you've made this thing. You mentioned earlier about lead magnets, and I have a slightly unhealthy obsession with lead magnets. So that was very <laughs> interesting to hear you talk about that and how it was incorporated into Mimoran. Can you explain to people what are lead magnets and what do they do? How do they help? Sure. So a lead magnet is something that attracts a lead, like a magnet. And the idea is someone will 
maybe give you their email address, maybe some other information, and you send them some content that's useful. That's the magnet. And I think for a lot of folks who are uh, running small consulting firms who say, well, all my business is word of mouth anyway, uh, I don't do anything on my website, and it kind of creates a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it, it's a vicious cycle. And so my notion is let's start with, let's actually help people who come to your site who might be your ideal clients. What are they struggling with? What kind of things do you typically answer uh, when you meet with people anyway? And put that in, in the form of a lead magnet on your site. People who don't use lead magnets because they're getting all of their sales inquiries from referrals, well, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas if you can implement a few systems, which is some people might call that a funnel, whatever you want to call it, via lead magnets, then you've potentially opened up a new channel for lead acquisition and potentially new clients. So that's great. Absolutely. I think one thing that's important there is people often think of this as I'm either doing referral and word of mouth or I'm doing online. Okay. Uh, and I think it's important to consider them almost like yin and yang together. Mm. So if you have a great lead magnet on your site, first of all, your referrals are going to go check out your website anyway. And depending on the impression they get, some of them are going to contact you and some of them are going to be like, eh, I don't know about this. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you have a great lead magnet, that makes it easy for somebody who might want to make a referral to say, Hey, Ruben, you should go check out this thing. It's the, uh, you know, the checklist for how to create an employee handbook. You were mentioning that the other day or something, you know, whatever the appropriate thing is, it can actually help feed more offline referrals as well. So true. Especially if it's something that they've used, implemented, and it's helped them with something, then they look good by telling others about it. Right. And it's not a painful or not a tough ask for someone to tell them to refer people to a site to look at some information as opposed to referring someone for a sales call, which not everyone's happy with at that early stage. One thing there that I found really helpful, everyone obviously wants to get a bunch of leads with their lead magnets. That's why we're doing this really. But if you try too hard to get leads and do all the marketing stuff and you kind of lose sight of the visitor and what they're there for, you kind of get counterproductive. First of all, it's harder to create the content. Secondly, it's not going to be as effective. So the mantra that I could try to uh, keep in my head is teach, don't market, right? You're they're just there to help people. Yeah. And if you can keep keep your eye on that goal, you're actually going to end up with a much more effective lead generation funnel than if you're out there trying to uh, squeeze as much information out of people as possible, for example. Like you don't have to get their, their whole life history when they request this information. You can tell a lot uh, about people from an email address and a location. So for example, when I get a lead notification from, from my lead magnets, I can see where they are. I can see what their email address is. I can typically find them on LinkedIn just from that. Yep. And that's a lot better than asking for, you know, name, title, uh, uh, company name, company size, expected budget, et cetera, et cetera. You can all do all that later. Yes. First goal is to turn them from a visitor to a lead and then from a lead to a conversation. And if you find really that you have too many of these, you can always make it more restrictive later. But 99.9% .9 of the people in this world do not struggle with too many leads. <laughs> Definitely. I like the advice, make it as easy as possible for them to share their information and join your educational funnel, if you like, as opposed to a lot of the businesses out there where they ask for your name, age, date of birth, favorite car, right. favorite breakfast cereal, etc. So you'll get far more that way. Let's say that you've done that good work, you've got yourself an initial meeting with a potential client and they then asked for a proposal. I'm thinking back to when I started out as an HR consultant years ago and my written proposals to clients usually put most of them to sleep. So Ruben, what do you think makes a good proposal? Any advice for people listening? 
oh, I've got so much advice on this because I have done it the wrong way and put so many people to sleep <laughs> and lost so much business that I should have won because of terrible proposals. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing to think about is proposals don't win deals, they lose them. And that's sort of counterintuitive. But I don't know if you've had this experience. I had so many meetings where everyone was super happy and excited and shaking hands and good to go. And they asked for the proposal and I'd send the proposal out and then radio silence and then maybe a follow-up meeting and blah, 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 right? And basically, I had lost the deal because of a crappy proposal. Mm. So the first thing is a proposal is a story, not a brochure. A lot of times, there's just so much boilerplate nonsense in our proposals that's really about us that, that people can get from the website anyway. And it doesn't resonate with the client because it's not about them. The hero of the story is the buyer, not you. And that took me a while to figure out as well. They may want you because you have tremendous expertise and so on and so forth, but they're still the hero of their own story. Mm-hmm. So make sure they're positioned properly. And of course, every story needs a great villain. Sometimes when you get those no decision situations, oh, we came in, we had a project, blah, 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 but nothing actually happens. It's because there really wasn't a compelling enough villain. And if you kind of keep this in mind, do I have a great story? Do I make the buyer the hero? And is there really a compelling villain here? You're going to be able to put together a great proposal. If, if you feel like some of the stuff is lacking in your own head, you can say, hey, you know this, I understand you kind of want to fix this, but really it doesn't seem that urgent, right? And either you find out that it's not that urgent and you save a bunch of time, some of it wasn't going somewhere, or maybe they reveal some information about why it truly is urgent mm-hmm. or why it really is important to go solve it and suddenly you actually have a good villain. So I think keeping that framework in mind is super helpful. And it also takes a lot of the stress out of the proposal because you're not necessarily trying to brag about how awesome you are. You're just trying to help the client get where they need to go. That's an excellent piece of advice. Asking for the villain. And is it really that serious a problem? I'm taking great notes here. Thank you. (laughs) You want people want more. There's a fill in the blank template inside the CRM. Uh, You know, I used to help uh, people import their proposal templates into the tool. And I realized that most of them were as crappy as mine were when I started. And so I just said, hey, here's the template that works. Just go with this. Um, And I've actually created a whole course around that. And just changing the way people think about this uh, has, in many cases, doubled or even tripled people's close rates. You You go from basically the client not being able to determine which one is best and essentially throwing a dart at a board and, and just seeing what happens to, oh, this is the person telling the story about me that I understand. This is the person I want to hire to fix my problem. That's great. So if you're listening to this, you'd be crazy not to check out the uh, templates there in Mimaran and also the sales training. I think that you mentioned we might come to that later as well. You actually just remind me of a, would you believe a Jeffrey Archer book I read years ago and there was some big deal being proposed and the big director came along to look at the final proposal that they were going to be submitting. And the only change that he made is that he took their logo off the front cover and put the client's logo on the front cover because he understood the need to make the uh, potential client the hero of the story. So everything you've said there makes perfect sense. Any other advice or thoughts to consider? Well, I think part of it is once you kind of get in that mindset, you're going to be more relaxed and you can naturally be yourself. I think most people who are into serving clients, they really want to serve clients. And then somehow we get into the sales cycle and we kind of freak out because this is foreign territory for us. And at least for me, I did a bunch of things that I had read about in sales books and saw other salespeople doing that weren't very natural for me. And I thought that's what you were supposed to do in the sales cycle. And really, no, you just keep that same helping mindset the whole way through from the website and the lead magnets 
to the conversations, to the proposal, and it takes a lot of the pressure off you and you can just relax and be your charming self and go help your clients. I like that. What's your advice on how to actually approach a potential client that you found online, say on LinkedIn? Well, I think, again, like let's, let's take the view of we're there to help them. We're there to serve them. Um, and if I think these days there's a lot of spam on LinkedIn. I don't know about you, but I get every day I get requests for people who are trying to sell me stuff that, uh, you know, some of them, some of them are, are at least somewhat relevant to what I do. And some of them are like, why are you set? Why are you targeting me with this? Like this doesn't even make any sense. So I think the first thing is make sure you're targeting the right people and then offer something for them, not for you. So don't say, do you have any problems with your HR? I can help you set up, click here to set up a sales consultation, right? Nobody wants to click on that link. Mm-hmm. But if you know something about, for example, they've just been through a merger or acquisition, all these interesting things that you can find out on LinkedIn and you can say, here's our guide to surviving uh, HR consolidation post-merger or whatever the appropriate thing is, you can now offer them something for free that's valuable to them and bring them into your world. You're not trying to sell them on that initial outreach. You're just trying to form a connection and see if there's a fit. Great advice. I actually just interviewed someone for this podcast who's a digital advertising person with a focus on LinkedIn and they said something very similar to that, that the case study side of things as opposed to the direct sales offer far outperforms buy now give a sales call with us now so sending information that's tailored to their needs wins every time yeah i mean it's how would we want to be approached yeah we want somebody who makes us the hero of our story who gives us something of value who isn't a pushy sales rep yeah i'd be curious to hear your, your thoughts on this one because i've been asked quite a bit by new consultants or new tech founders on how to approach their former employers to get them on as a client Sure. And I think it kind of goes back to the same thing on LinkedIn, except that it's somebody that you know that you have a relationship with. And if you have maintained that relationship, they're hopefully going to reach out to you when, when they need you. What happens a lot of times is we're not good at maintaining those relationships that are not urgent. And that kind of goes back to the whole reconnection challenge thing. There might be people that that could be giving you a lot of money or maybe not, but they're just interesting people to talk to that meant something to you in your life, but you haven't spoken to them in three years. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if there's one thing to take away from this, I hope that you will pick up the phone and call them uh, as soon as this podcast ends or even just just, uh, (laughs) pause and and go call them right now. Because I think a lot of the other stuff I'm saying, hopefully it sounds like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's really intuitive. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. This, at least for me, was very counterintuitive. And I know from a lot of other people that I've kind of really coached into this, it seems very counterintuitive. We don't want to pick up the phone and call people. Uh, We don't want to bother people. And I kind of, I flipped a switch in my own head against every fiber of my being that said, when in doubt, I'm going to call instead of when in doubt, I'm going to avoid calling uh, or I'm going to avoid calling unless absolutely necessary. And it has been such a great thing I can't tell you how many times people have said, I'm so glad you called. <laughs> and in most cases, it doesn't lead to business, but it leads to a great conversation that makes my world feel richer. Yeah. In many cases, it does lead to business, either through them or through people that they know. But you've got to actually have conversations with your past employers, right? You can't expect that just putting them on your email list is going to build the level of trust that they need to hire you to solve a delicate HR problem. So true. 
I love the idea that you can just pick up the phone and reconnect with them. I remember back in my early days in the corporate world, I had a manager told me, look, if you've got a problem with someone in the company, don't email them, go and see them or phone them if they're not in the same location. And it works wonders when you're actually standing there talking to someone face to face or over the phone rather than a message here and there and then the, the whole email games. And it works, as you say, in the relationship development and lead generation side of things as well. What's your overall advice on managing the sales and marketing process as the business grows? Well, I think, uh, first of all, <laughs> one thing that I did very badly, this is all about trying to save people from the mistakes I made. Once again, <laughs> this is a common theme in, in my whole life's work here, but um, stay involved with the clients and the prospects. One of the things I did as soon as I could was I basically outsourced sales to a sales rep because I hated it, right? I hated sales and marketing. Mm. And uh, that led to a disconnect, right? There was now like another layer of the telephone game between me and the clients, which was never a good thing. And what I eventually learned was to reframe from marketing to teaching and reframe from selling to helping. Yeah. And now I'm not doing stuff that I hate. I'm doing stuff that I like. That's and it, it's such a stupid thing that really shouldn't make any difference, but it makes all the difference in the world. And so now I want to be involved, I want to be helpful and so on. So I think you have to come into it with a right mindset to begin with so you can be authentic. Then the next thing is to have some kind of process for generating pipeline and business development, especially while you're busy working. The biggest problem I had, and I think it's true for so many consultants, is you kind of go on the feast or famine roller coaster and you get really busy and you can't do the business development and then <laughs> the projects end and suddenly you're in the wasteland and so on. And so having those lead magnets on your site so that you can get some uh, new stuff in the pipeline while you're working is essential. And then just having an established process to follow up with them, figure out who's a fit and who isn't or who might be a fit later, uh, who, um, who needs to get a proposal, and then also having some kind of cadence just for reaching out to the people who matter to you, right? It could be those past employers. It could be other people in, in, your, in your world, past colleagues, or even just friends. Uh, make sure that you're talking to them on a regular basis. Uh, again, going back to covering up for my weaknesses, when I put this into my CRM, I said, well, how often should people with this particular tag get, get a conversation? And I thought, well, gosh, you know, I don't every three years or so. And I was like, no, if they matter to me, I should talk to them every year. So you can't enter a number more than 365 days in there. And you know, you don't have to do it with a fancy tool, but have some way that when in doubt, you're picking up the phone and you're calling people and you're doing it on a regular basis and you've got it down to a, a process where you can do it in that interstitial time, like you're driving to and from the client, or you've just got a few minutes. So instead of wasting time doing something really of no value on the internet, you can just call and say hello to people, right? You're not making yeah. sales calls. It doesn't have to be hard. It actually is going to, I, if someone's there saying, no, I could never do this. Believe me, I'm the last person who ever thought that this would be the fun part of my day that I would actually occasionally procrastinate by making phone calls to people. It's, it's a really important thing to do. So, you know, have, if I could, it was a little long-winded, but to summarize, have a way to, to get leads coming in the door while you're working, have a process for following up with them, and then make sure you have some kind of cadence for just staying in touch with the people who matter to you. Excellent advice then. Here's a tough one. What do you do if you're at the starting phase? They've just left the corporate world from a big senior leadership role to start either a, a new HR tech business or to start a 
as a solo independent HR consultant or join a consultancy or a new consultancy. What's your plan of attack to get new employers as clients at that stage? Because there isn't that same level of lead generation coming in. Right. How do you get started? How do you, how do you get that first client in the door? Um, Again, I did this all wrong. So uh, I have a lot of helpful things not to do. And I think one of the first things is we're nervous about being too self-promotional, but we also know we need to promote ourselves and that leads to sort of inauthenticity and awkwardness. And so the strategy that I've helped people with is kind of going back to what we were talking about before is you have a network of people who matter to you And not all of them are clients, but most of them do not know what you're doing right now, right? You just started a new firm. What percentage of people actually know what you're doing and why and and the details enough to give you a referral? It's actually very small. Even if they saw an update on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, they don't really know it. And so you need to have a conversation with these people. And some people will go through that step and they go and they give basically a pitch call to everybody and nobody likes that. But it's a great time to go through and start that reconnection challenge, which I will plug again. Um, but call the people you know and don't sell them on what you're doing. Just say, hey, I'm, you know, I just quit my job. I'm starting a new thing. I have a little bit of time. It's been forever since we caught up. What are you up to? And this isn't a trick. It's not a manipulation. It is you, you should be genuinely caring about these people because they're people you care about, right? And these people are going to want to know what you're up to as well. You can explain to them what's going on and you're not trying to sell to them, but you can ask them if they know anybody that you should talk to. And that is going to give you a much deeper network than just the people you know. Now, of course, if, if somebody wants to work with you, that's great, but that's a bonus. You don't have to count on that and you don't have to kind of be in sales mode keep repeating this process. And when you talk to the people they introduce you to, it's even better because they're going to be willing to tell you things like, oh, that sounds really stupid that your friend isn't going to tell you, right? Like, well, why would you think that would be interesting to companies like us, right? You get a little bit better unvarnished opinions and you can ask them for introductions and so on and keep going until you have a lot of clients or you can predict how people are going to answer your questions about what their needs are, what their problems are, and so on. And that then feeds into the copy for your website, the content for your lead magnets, and so on. And the nice thing is you can do it without actually being salesy, right? You're not actually pitching anybody hard. You're just asking how they're doing. You're going to give a brief, concise explanation of what you're doing. And if people say, gosh, I'd like to learn more about that. You can set up a conversation to say, okay, well, let's, let's actually get into a, a meeting where you're actually pitching. Yeah. But most people ignore that huge advantage of their built-in network. They don't want to sound promotional. And I think that's a way to, to go do it without seeming inauthentic, inauthentic or like a jerk. Yeah. I'm laughing to myself because I can remember when I first set up, uh, I, I told some of my best friends, this is what I'm doing, you know, help me out here. And, and, and one of them took me to meet his brother, at his house because he was an accountant and, you know, we're going to connect as accountants, no employers. And I, I'd say we sat talking small talk for more than half an hour in the lounge room there in the, in the front room, just talking about the weather, about sport, whatever. We both knew we were there for me to ask for his help. Right. <laughs> but I didn't. So I like the fact that you, you should, you should do it. They love helping. And that's what I discovered as, as I did it more and more. And if I asked for help or to tell them what I was up to, 
people love getting involved. So I really echo what you were saying there. And I think you can also, while you're talking to these folks, you can also introduce them, right? If you know somebody they should talk to, whether it's a potential client or partner or just somebody who shares a hobby or whatever, you can also provide good karmic value back into that network. Definitely. I've been asking you lots of questions. You've been giving lots of great information, advice. So clearly, you know this stuff. And I know that you've covered so much ground as a result of two things. One is you've got a wonderful podcast in which you've been interviewing some fabulous people in the area of sales and business growth, etc. You've also got a sales training course, if I'm correct. So if that's the case, can you tell us a little bit more about those? Sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier, my whole mission is to help people avoid the mistakes that I made with sales and marketing. Um, it doesn't have to be as hard as we tend to make it. Uh, I'm not saying it's, it's easy, but we tend to make it way harder than it has to be, especially for folks who have sort of a service-oriented mindset. And so they're not naturally in the sales and marketing mindset. And so the CRM, of course, is the heart of that, but I wanted to be able to help people with some basic questions. And I would get emails, oh, you know, introduction from so-and-so, recommended I talk to you. Can I buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain for an hour? And as much as I would like to help everybody like that, it's just really not a good use of my time or really theirs. And I thought, well, gosh, why don't I have a podcast where I can kind of go through some of these questions that people are already asking? And then I was talking about this with a friend over a bottle of wine, and I had the brilliant insight that uh, I could just bring a bottle of wine and interview people on the podcast too, and that would probably just be so much more fun for everybody. And of course, uh, despite knowing myself and knowing that I overanalyze everything, it took me like six months to actually get up the guts to ask somebody to come on the podcast. Um, not the guts to ask, but I was like, you know, I was trying to figure out how to make everything perfect and the audio and this, and there were like a million things that I, I couldn't do right. And so I sent this long email to Jason Cohen explaining the premise of the podcast and the wine and how Who's it's Jason? been. Jason Cohen is the founder of WP Engine. He's yeah, an entrepreneur yeah. here in Austin. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's founded several companies. He writes a great blog called a smartbear.com, which I have been reading for yeah. years. I've heard him talk. Uh, so I've been a big fan and right now I go through all this stuff and I refer people and blah, 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 blah. And uh, he just wrote back, you had me at wine. Here's a link to my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then, you know, we, we did those first two episodes with Jason and uh, we only, we have to talk for like two hours and we only stopped because we ran out of wine and we just had such a great <laughs> time and the audio is terrible. And, you know, it's just like, it's not a professional thing, but it's a, uh, it was a great experience for me, right? Like I can't get two hours on Jason Cohen's calendar. Um, and he had a great time and I've heard from so many listeners that it's been helpful to them. So that was kind of the start of that. That's great. And then as I mentioned earlier, you know, I would import people's proposals into Mimarin and I think, gosh, this is terrible. You know, you should just be doing it kind of the way that I've eventually figured out. And I would coach them on it. And then word of that got around and I started coaching people who weren't even using the tool and we were doubling, tripling people's close rates. And every time I did this kind of training, I thought, gosh, this is probably useful to a lot of people. Yeah. I should really record this and put it online somewhere uh, so it's more accessible and, and it can help more folks. And of course, I've already got too many balls in the air and I'm like, I shouldn't do one more thing, blah, 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 blah. And finally, I did one more set of trainings. and I was like, that, that's it. I'm going to go record this. <laughs> uh, we'll see, right? Maybe it'll work in a pre-recorded format. Maybe it won't. And I, I threw it up online and, and the response has been great. People have, you know, it's, obviously it's best to do it in person, yeah. but people basically get 
eighty percent of the benefits at a tiny fraction of the cost, and so it's been it's been super helpful. And and it kind of just all goes back to my mission of a lot of the stuff doesn't have to be hard. People can grow their businesses and have more fun and less stress uh, by doing sales and marketing authentically. And uh, it's all it's all kind of part and parcel of that: the CRM, the podcast, the proposals course, uh, whatever I can do to help. Great. And I need to ask the question, were you drinking wine as you recorded the training and do participants need to partake of the stuff as well? Um, I was not, although it's funny because at one point I did a workshop for, I think it was supposed to be for about 50 people. It was, uh, you know, at a, at a corporate training event and um, I was the last session of the day in a breakout session and I was kind of irritated, like, why did I come all the way here? No one's going to want to come to this thing. Uh, because uh, it's the last thing before happy hour and there's other stuff going on at the same time. And then right before it happens, there's a fire alarm at the hotel. So everyone has to evacuate. And I'm, just, I'm so irritated. <laughs> and uh, I, so I go to the bar and get a glass of wine. And eventually the fire marshals clear, the, clear everyone to go back in the building. And I go in there and they're removing the dividers between the rooms because so many people need to come in and want to hear about how to do proposals the right way. Cause no one's ever freaking told them how to do that. Right. Wow. It's like you get all the sales training and then you get to the, the, the point where you actually have to close the deal. And it's like, good luck. Here's a template that, that your colleagues been using for the past 10 years. Which they downloaded um, from Microsoft word. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm standing there in front of this room full of people drinking my wine, talking about proposals. <laughs> <Take your> wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it actually, and it actually went great, but, uh, it was kind of funny and it told me, you know, I have to, sometimes I have to be patient too and not get frustrated ahead of time because things will work out. Brilliant. I remember years ago, I don't know how it happened, but I went on the river cruise, the annual Christmas party of a union. So you organize labor Christmas river cruise or something. And they were telling me the way that they, before they go on strikes, they had to put in proposals big claims against the employers and stuff. And they said, oh, we just crack open a few bottles of wine and write down whatever comes to us a few glasses later. So wine can have wonderful impact on business and organized labor as well. So it's very powerful stuff. Well, especially with your lead magnets. I find like a lot of people get <laughs> too up inside their own head yeah, and they get writer's block. And so, you know, literally just, just have a glass of wine with a friend and have your friend ask questions about what you do and what kind of problems your, your typical clients have and, and, you've got a few bullet points and half an hour later, you've got a lead magnet. That's brilliant. Yeah. Do you know, I've produced so many lead magnets over the years, eBooks and webinars and all sorts of things. But the one that has outperformed all of them was a one page template of a, of a particular letter that employees would use. And it, it still wounds my soul slightly to think of that after all the effort I've gone to, but there's a pain point, fix the pain and uh, it works wonders. So. That's a great point. A lot of people think they have to do way too much and they go to all the trouble to create an ebook or a long professional video or something like that. Yeah. And so they don't, they spend so much time and energy that it takes forever to get it out there. And it's often not the right thing to your point. I'm not surprised at all that it was a one pager that yeah. performed best. People don't necessarily want a huge amount of content. They want something that's actionable and easy. Yeah. hundred percent. Anyway, it wounded my soul, but I'm over it now. <laughs> Ruben, we've covered so much stuff here and this has been excellent. And I'm going to create a page for the notes. I'll put the links to things you've mentioned and so on in the show notes, but I'm going to put a page on, on the website, getmoreHRclients.com forward slash Ruben, where people can download this stuff or at least find the links to the things you talked about. But if people want to know more about you and about the tool, Memoran and so on, what should they do? 
Well, if you go to Mimarin.com, M-I-M-I-R-A-N.com, uh, you'll actually see a, a video testimonial from an HR consultant on the, on the webpage. Excellent. Um, sign up for a free trial and uh, we've got a special referral code for you, MoreHR, all caps. Uh, it gives you 10% off. Oh, and uh, of course, if you're interested in the podcast or the proposal course, that's all at salesfornerds.io. Salesfornerds.io. Excellent. Well, Ruben, thank you very much for your time. It's been excellent, as I said, and really appreciate you taking the time and effort to, to come on here today. Ben, my pleasure. I hope it's helpful. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.